Amen. Please be seated. Meditative reflection on Matthew 27, verses 45 through 50. It was the summer of 1985 when a young man, 20 years old, picked up a Gideon International Bible that was given to him and started reading it for the first time ever in his life. That young man started by reading this book, the book of Matthew, as it was the first book in that Gideon Bible he had. As he started reading, he was immediately mesmerized by the central character of the book, Jesus. Here was a man like Matthew 7.29 says, who taught as one who had great authority, yet his life was completely submitted to the authority of another, the Father. Mesmerized by the way this Jesus went around teaching with unbelievably great wisdom and knowledge. Yet instead of being aloof, standoffish, elite-minded, he had no problem touching folks who had leprosy, Matthew 8. No problem sitting and eating with those who in his day were esteemed to be the most hated among his people, tax collectors, and with great sinners, Matthew 9, all with the purpose of serving them at their greatest point of need. And he had no problem bidding them who had the least, those who had the least of voices among men, children, to come to him, Matthew 19. The fact of the matter is, this Jesus, his life was a perfect embodiment of tender care, compassion, love, and understanding. And so you can imagine that young man's horror when he started getting to the end of this book and he started reading about the things that Jesus had to endure at the hands of the very ones that he came to save. That young man immediately started thinking to himself, why is this happening? What did he do wrong? How does he deserve any of this? How does he deserve to be subjected to the lies that were told about him? a trial that was rigged against him, the beating, the, the scourging. Why was he subjected to all this? So much so that Isaiah 52, 14 says, he was marred beyond human recognition. How? Why? And it didn't end there. It got worse. Because as we read our text, we find him nailed to a cross. He's been there since 9 a.m., it's now 12 noon and the darkness which accompanies judgment is all across the land. And it continues until 3 p.m. Where in verse 46 of our text we hear those blood-curdling words which I'm going to cover under the heading. Broken communion with God. Eli, Eli, Sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said. This is the same Jesus who at 12 years old was left behind in Jerusalem by his parents, who later found him in the temple. And when his mother asked him for a reason, he revealed that that was what he was all about. Communing with his father was not second nature to him. It was his first nature. This is the same Jesus who upon being baptized heard the words from heaven itself this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The same Jesus is again heard 
And John 8:29 saying, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. You see, he was perfect in every way, lived sinlessly before the Father. And thus this God-man was in perfect communion with him. And that communion stretched even further back than what I've indicated. For you see, as the, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, he had enjoyed perfect communion with the Father and with the Spirit from all eternity. And so, why this cry? How could such a thing happen to him, brothers and sisters? It was at that moment that God the Father, you see, turned his back on his only begotten Son. For you see, it was at that point that the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, the sins of all who would be his were poured out, placed upon him. It was at that point that the wrath of God was fully poured out without any semblance of mitigation whatsoever. It was at that moment, this moment, that Jesus, who was sinless, became sin for you and I. And as such, the Father of whom it is written, you cannot look at wrong. Somehow, in no way, can fully, none of us can fully understand, withdrew himself. And why? That's what the young man was asking himself. Why? Why? And then he found the answer in John 3.16 where the apostle wrote, For God so loved the world. For God so loved you and you and you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever will believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Be with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit eternally. And now it began to be clear. Everything that happened to him happened because it was the will of the Father for it to be so. As Isaiah puts it, and as we heard earlier, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He put him to grief. And why? Because it was the only way that we, brothers and sisters, dead in our sins, born that way and without any hope of self-merit, could be reconciled to the God who created us in his image. In essence, he extended his love in equal measure to his outpoured wrath, both things being manifested on that tree in a place called Gogata. For as the scripture declares, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now there's two things I want to quickly show you concerning this statement of Jesus' great love for us. First, it's often the case when it comes to Jesus that people either don't understand him and what he's given them, or they just don't care. We see that in our text, by and through the action and words of two different people or sets of people. After hearing Jesus' words, one attempts to give him a drink, while some other folks called for a hush, mockingly and sarcastically indicating that they should entertain the failed prospect that he would be rescued. Here Jesus addressed this failed understanding of what he was doing and the hardness of hearts, something that all of us have been guilty of by earlier saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, my friends, 
if they knew who they were mocking and what he was doing, if they understood the great measure of love that was on display for those who would be his, then they would have fallen down at his feet and worshipped him. But alas, they had no clue, nor were they interested in knowing any such thing. My friend, I ask you this evening, are you interested in knowing so great a love? Are you interested in knowing he who was sent to die for you? Now think about this. Now also really connected to this statement rather. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. In verse 50, we hear this. It reads, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Friend here, I'd like to ask you to be reminded of these words spoken by Jesus concerning his life in John 10, 18. He said, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. Now think about this. Verse 50 tells us that he cried out with a loud voice and then he yielded up his spirit, an act of his own volition. Now I ask you, brothers and sisters, have you ever seen someone on their deathbed, weakened and infirmed, maligned by serious injury to their person? Have you ever seen such a person cry out with a loud voice? A voice that communicated a reality that they were still full of life. Our Lord, after enduring the scourging, the beating, the mocking, carrying his cross, thirst in his nails in his hand and, and in his feet, after all that, he was still full of life. He still could have gotten up off of that cross, but he stayed there. Why? Because it was the love of the Father that put him there. It was the love of the Son that kept him there. And it was the love of the Holy Spirit that left him there to die for you and for me. Back then, that young man might not have been theologically astute, but upon hearing this good news, that young man proceeded while he was out in the Mediterranean Sea on a ship in his bunk to cry like a baby as he professed Christ as his Lord and Savior. You see, he realized that there was no greater love, no greater Savior, and no greater God than the one who had graciously revealed himself to him by and through the power of his spirit. Brothers and sisters, greater love had no man seen. Greater love had no man known. And greater love has no man shown. How will you, brothers and sisters, respond to so great a love? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, our minds cannot comprehend the height, the depth, and the breadth of your love towards us. Your word tells us that it was while we were yet afar in our sins that our Lord died for us. 
We've heard, know, and understand through the grid of our own selfishness that there is indeed no greater love than for one to lay down his or her life for another. But add to that weight of all the sins of the world being placed upon our sinless Savior. And our only response in the face of that knowledge is the utmost gratitude and love for you. Love for our Lord. Love for your spirit. For your grace. And for those mercies that are renewed each and every day. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, be with us now, we pray. As we endeavor to walk in the light of your truth, your love, and your guidance. And all to the praise of your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.